stewardship. And I want to ask you this morning, how good are you at looking after things? I know when I was a boy, my mom used to just about pull her hair out because, I don't know, I was just destructive. Toys didn't last long. I was just always breaking things and just not looking after things. Fortunately, I've grown up and uh, I've learned to take care uh, of things. Um, what What is stewardship? The definition that the the dictionary gives is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted, given to one's care, which is our, our natural resources, our time, our talent, our treasures, everything of who we are. Uh, in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So we're even stewards of the grace of God. We are managers of the grace of God. Luke 12.42 says, And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Jesus was constantly talking about stewardship. He was constantly talking about overseeing, caring, managing, looking after, cultivating. So, I thought I'd better give give it to you in a few languages so that you understand what we're talking about. In Afrikaans, it's a long word. Rentmeesterskap. In Tuana, maklokomedi. In Sutu, Botsamasi, and in Greek, oikonomos, which means a manager or an overseer, someone who shepherds, who cares, who guards, who looks after. So in order to get a real appreciation of stewardship, let's go back right to the beginning. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. In brackets are put to reign and to rule and to oversee. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Daddy, friends, that is serious dominion. That is a serious managerial position. And that is what was given to man. Genesis 2, 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it, to cultivate and to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. That is stewardship. So man at the beginning is made a co-regent with God. In Eden, heaven and earth are intersecting. God is with man in the garden, and he has this amazing commission. And he has dominion. He has oversight of creation and of life, which is absolutely staggering. One scholar says they were to reflect God's kingship by being his vice regents. A regent is a person who governs a kingdom. Friends, you and I, are made stewards of the kingdom of God on earth. You and I have the ability in God to shepherd the kingdom and bring the kingdom about 
and to rule and reign with Christ in the earth today. And how about this? It says of Adam, listen to this amazing job he gets. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. Friends, have you ever stopped to think of that? What an incredible task. What an incredible privilege. There's the co-regent, there's the co-worker actually naming the beasts of the field. And I had a bit of a chuckle because Eve wasn't around yet. And I thought, God, why didn't you do it with both of them? And then I remembered what happens when we go to the shops with our wives. I mean, can you imagine? Adam says, we'll call that one hippopotamus. And she says, doll, I don't think that's a cool name. So they could have been there a long time. Anyway, here's God's plan of redemption, folk. Here's God's plan of redemption. If you want to know what God's plan of redemption is, it's simply this. To restore you and me to our God-given purpose and destiny that was lost in Eden but it's been refound in Christ. To bring us back into partnership with God, to, 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 to move into that position where we are co-regions, co-regions working with God on the earth, shepherding in His kingdom. And one day we'll receive new heavens and new earth and we will reign with Christ on the earth. And we will continue what He's given us to do. We will not be promoted to playing harps on a cloud. I couldn't think of anything Worse, when we are redeemed and restored into fellowship with God, we get our life back. I came that you might have life and have it in abundance, in fullness, in overflowing. Friends, we are partners with God as we, as we pursue our purpose and destiny in life. There are too many Christians who are purposeless, just going through the motions, just doing the Christian thing, speaking Christianese, without grasping this incredible fact that we've been created with purpose, with, with inheritance, with destiny. We are a people of destiny, friends. If you forget everything else this morning, I pray that you'll, you'll, you'll have it imprinted on your heart this morning that you are a person of destiny. You are a person of purpose. God has created you. He has a place for you. He has a purpose for you. And you need to rise up in passion and seek that with all your heart. That's the question I have today. Are you pursuing the purpose of God with passion? Are you laying hold of what God has laid hold of you for? And so to change the metaphor from garden, we're going to go to the Olympic Games. Because I wanted to, I wanted to hear Paul on what he has to say about purpose and destiny and inheritance. And there's this wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, in other words, a perishable crown, but we, an imperishable, unbreakable. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. 
but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. So friends, I want to look at three things quickly. What is the prize? What is the prize? Paul has this amazing encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And Jesus gives him some instructions, and he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. His eyes are open, he sees Jesus, the Messiah, the one he's rejected all along and persecuted. But now the penny drops. And this was his testimony in Philippians. He says in Philippians 3, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And listen, he's been serving God quite a while already, and this is his heart cry, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, you and I have a divine call upon our lives. Friends, we've got a godly call upon our lives. What we have, friends, is sacred. Sacred. It's not a program. It's not a religion. It's not a, a, a get better, quick fix with rules and regulations. No, friends, it's in a person whose passion was to die on a cross. And Paul says, that's my passion. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And he says this, he says, not that I have already attained this, or am already perfected, already completed, he says, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which he's laid hold of me. That was Paul's guiding, guiding thought. I want to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. God laid hold of Paul, this Jew soaked in Judaism, seeing Gentiles as dogs, as outsiders. And now God flips a coin. Jesus says, Paul, I've got your mission for you. I've got your purpose. I've got your inheritance. I've got your destiny. And guess what? You are going to minister to the Gentiles. The very people you call dogs is now your field. Isn't that amazing? And Paul embraces it. He says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you know what? When he comes to the end of his life, he says this wonderful thing. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Friends, if I can get to the end of my life, if someone can stand up at my funeral and say, Mally was not disobedient to the vision that began at the age of 17. I'll be a happy man, although I won't be there to rejoice with you. But that's my goal. That's my passion. I want to end all used up for God's glory. So what was the that for Paul? Well, we've said really much. It's the, it's the gospel. It's going to areas where no one's preached the gospel. What's the prize? What's the prize for you and I? Well, in the broad sense, it's to glorify God. But friends, let's get specific. Let's get specific. It narrows down. Here's what I believe. 
to move towards our destiny in Christ. Like I said, every single one of us has got a God-given destiny, a God-given purpose that he wants us to move into. Every single one of us has got an inheritance waiting for us to move in. And by the way, heaven is not our inheritance. As a Christian, where are you going to go when you die? You're going to go to heaven. That's not your inheritance. That's a given. You're just going back to Father. No, there's an inheritance for us here and now to move in, to possess, to thrill in and enjoy and be God's best in that sphere of influence that He's given us. And friends, I want to ask you, how passionate are you in finding your inheritance in Christ? How, how passionate are you, no matter how old you are, of finding your purpose in Christ? A very quick story. Michael Eaton in Kenya was asked to speak to a, a guy dying of cancer in the hospital. He led him to the Lord. And in there talking and discussing, obviously destiny came up and he said to Michael, so what's my destiny? I mean, like I'm about to beg and Michael said to him, your destiny is the way you die. He was a very influential man, and guess what? He started calling all his mates to the hospital, and he shared the gospel with them, shared the gospel with them. He saved more people in his short dying days than most Christians saved in their lifetime. So it's never too late. It's never too late, friends, to walk into your destiny and to embrace your calling in God and find out your inheritance. Believe me, if it was money, yes, we would be breaking down walls and we'll be doing all sorts of things, wouldn't we? I believe that every single one of us has, has an inheritance. I believe passionately that every one of us has got a, a, a plot of land, if I can use it that way, in God, a sphere of influence, a sphere of blessing and influence that he's created for us, that he wants us to walk in. No matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a farmer, a bricklayer, a stay-at-home mom, and on and on and on and on. God has an area of influence and favor for you to walk in that when you tap into that, you will be a vital Christian. You'll be influencing people for the glory of God. Remember Joshua. Their inheritance was by lot. They moved into the promised land. And this tribe, you guys go here. This is your land. This tribe, you go here. And then in the tribes, every family. This family, here's your plot. This family, here's your plot. You know what the saddest thing was? God says to Joshua at one point, he says, there is yet very much land to be possessed. The tragedy of Israel is they stopped the conquest. They stopped seeking the inheritance. They stopped seeking the more of the promise. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. Are you seeking the promise? Are you living in the promised land? And I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm talking of living in the purpose of God. 
experiencing His favor, His anointing, His blessing in an area where you can touch lives. My story, very quickly, you know, I was a hooligan. At the age of 17, I get radically saved. Within two months, I get a radical calling to the ministry. Radical. That it was undeniable, unquestionable. And from that day, I've been moving and moving and saying like Paul that I may lay hold of that for which he's laid hold of me. And friends, let me tell you that in the promised land, there are enemies. And I've had to fight illness. I've had to fight depression. I've had to fight betrayal. I've had to fight being asked to stand down in ministry because I'm not well enough and blah, 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 blah. But friends, I thank God with all my heart that he placed a passion in me to not stop seeking my inheritance in God. Not stop. And I say to God's glory this morning that city on a hill is part of my inheritance. At my age, I cannot believe it that I'm so lucky that I get to minister here. I'm serious. This is part of my inheritance. I've had tastes of it along the way. And believe me, I've agonized in prayer. I've gone to God. I said, Father, I've got these prophecies. I never made them up. Your, your people gave them to me. <laughs> What's going on? But God is faithful to his word. And I hung on to God. And I hung on to God. And he's brought me through storm after storm after storm. <laughs> oh, friends, if you do one thing, ask God today, Father, place a passion in my soul for my inheritance in you my destiny, my calling, and I will not rest until I'm moving into it. We could talk about Jesus. Our 30 years of preparation for a three-year ministry, that is incredible faithfulness. 12 years of old, debating with the uh, rabbis in the temple, working in his father's workshop as a carpenter, and that's probably why I love carpentry. Always knowing what his goal was. Always knowing what his inheritance was. And friends, when he rose from the dead, he received his inheritance. He went to the right hand of the Father. And the beginning of the new race in Christ was begun. And his inheritance was the nations of the world. A redeemed community. And I love the verse in, in Isaiah 53. It says, He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Friends, if you and I can get to that place where we see the travail that we've gone through, the agony we've gone through, the betrayal, the persecution, the hardship, being overlooked, if we can see beyond that, God has got my number. I've called you by name, your mind says the Lord. I have a purpose and a destiny for you. And yes, there are giants in the land of your inheritance. You need to become a giant slayer. When there's that passion in you, you become a giant slayer. Secondly, how do we reach that prize? 
Let's ask Paul. Let's have a look at Paul's life. He had a clear vision. He aligned himself with the vision. He aligned himself with the purpose of God. He was determined. He disciplined his body. He took charge of the commission given to him. Friends, that is stewardship. How are you stewarding your salvation in Christ? How are you stewarding your spiritual gifts? Are they used to the glory of God? Do you have a passion to see them used wherever you go? He stewarded his life and gifting according to the heavenly vision and the heavenly call. And so, friends, there are four areas. And I, and I can't dwell on this. Um, Christy's going to come in a minute and just share a few thoughts. Because there are many areas to steward. But some of the main ones are the mind, the inner man of the spirit, the body, and our resources. So let me speak very briefly about three of these, and then Christy will come and share a testimony on the fourth. Friends, what are you doing with your mind? Who's in charge of your mind? <laughs> Seriously, who is in charge of your mind? Are you saying, oh, but the devil made me do it? Or are you a steward of your mind? You're taking authority. You're leading every thought captive to Jesus Christ. And of course it's a battle. That's where the battle is, in the mind. How are you doing in shepherding your mind? Shepherding your eyes, shepherding your ears, guarding, keeping. Because as a man thinks, so is he. What you dwell upon, you become. Take your mind and begin to meditate day and night on the scriptures, and you shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water, whose leaf never fades and is always fruitful. You with me? Are you just wave if you're still alive? Okay, great. I love what Isaiah says. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, fixed upon you. Run this race with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Friends, we could go on. It's a wonderful subject. And something I'm so passionate about is the inner man of the spirit. I don't like talking about the spirit man. It sounds spooky to me. Paul never talks about the spirit man. We made that up. What he talks about is the inner man of the spirit. That man in us that is reborn. My new spiritual nature. Friends, my new spiritual nature is... An entity, it's a reality. I have been given a new nature. If any man is in Christ, the old has passed away, the new has come. He is a new creation. Is my body new? No. But my spirit man, if you get saved today, you might be 70 or 80. Your body is a little bit old. But if you get born again today, you have a brand new spiritual nature that is now to grow up 
and mature in God. And friends, how are you handling the inner man of your spirit? Paul says the outer nature is wasting away. The inner man of the spirit is being built up from day to day. But let me tell you, he will not be built up from day to day if you are not in the word, not in worship, not in meditation. So how are you shepherding your inner man? Friends, that's where the discipline of the Christian life comes in. That's where we take authority. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. He's speaking now to his inner man because his soul is down. His emotions are depressed and he takes authority with his will. And he says, my soul, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. And sometimes, friends, when we're in a hectic battle, all hell breaking loose around us in our life, all sorts of things going wrong. It's not about feelings. It's about standing on God's word. Say, Malcolm, stand on the word of God. And I've had to do that throughout my journey of over 55 years. Having done all, Paul says, stand. When it's all chaos and things are not making sense, stand. God has called you. God is faithful. God has a purpose. God has a destiny. There's an inheritance for you to walk into. And what about the body? <laughs> I mean, we, we know a lot about the body over the last 21 days. Yes. It's very rebellious. <laughs> it's shouting all the time. I want this, I want that, I want... Actually, of all the things I missed in the fast, I missed my mind the most. <laughs> anyway. Friends, when we are strong in the Spirit, when we have aligned our will to the will of God, when we purpose each day, each day, one day at a time, friends, one day at a time, Jesus says, Take up your cross daily. Identify with me daily. Align yourself daily with me, my vision, my purpose, my calling, my life. Line it up every single day. And one day becomes seven, and seven becomes 30, and so on. And we live a victorious life in God. Paul says, he says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And when he's talking about body, he's not just talking only about the physical body, he's talking about the flesh, our carnal nature that is constantly got to be put down for the inner man of the spirit to be raised up. And it's a constant battle. I mean, you know that better than me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You, listen, you are not your own. Here's, here's the shepherding, friends. Here's the stewardship. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. 
So glorify God in your body. Friends, if we treated our bodies like we treat the inner man of the spirit, half of us would have been dead already. And vice versa. We need to, we need to steward our bodies with the right food, with exercise. And you say, oh yeah, but you're just an old, old talker. You're just telling us what to do. No, I cycle three times a week. I swim every day. And now I'm planking. <laughs> I, I thought that was carpentry, but I'm learning that. Anyway, I'm going to ask Christy to come up and share his testimony with us. And then we'll bring it to a close. And friends, I'm, I'm trusting that God is going to do a work in our hearts this morning as you hear his word. And as we break bread together, ending this fast, that, that uh, we'll, we'll see breakthrough in our life, friend. We'll see people getting into their destiny, getting into their inheritance and calling. Amen. Come, Christy. Yeah, sure. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, so, Mally asked me to share just a short message on financial stewardship. And I firmly believe that you cannot share something with someone that you haven't received yourself. So basically all I'm going to do is share a testimony of what God has done in our family over the last five years. But I, I really want to pray before I start because I've, I've got five years that I'm going to try to condense it into seven minutes. So Lord, thank you so much for, for this opportunity, Lord. I've got a short amount of time to bring glory to your name. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would just lead me through your spirit and Lord, that this testimony would bring hope to someone's heart and change to someone's life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Sure. Okay. So I'm just going to share a bit ab about what Lord, the Lord has done in our lives over the last five years. And um, God has displayed His goodness and His protection and His provision in our lives in, in miraculous ways. Um, in 2017, I quit my job in the poultry industry. And I, I made a bold move into a new career direction without a word from the Lord. But I convinced myself that I'm walking and I'm stepping out in faith. And uh, nine months into this new business venture, I found myself on my floor in my, in my office crying before the Lord. And just, yo, it's like, like it happened yesterday. Just begging, asking the Lord to help me because... I'm barely making any money, and I don't know how I'm going to provide for my household. So I cried out to the Lord, and uh, we started using our credit card just to, just to put food on the table, to pay our monthly bills. Um, we had a revolving loan that was maxed out. We had an um, overdraft that was maxed out, and not long after that, our credit card was also maxed out. Um, so December of that very same year, I started looking for a job. But as you know, December is not the best time of year to put out CVs. And uh, I didn't even get a response from any, any of the guys I mailed. Uh, by the grace of God, February that next, next year, 2018, February, I got, got a job at one of my previous employers. But the damage was already done. You know, the salary that I earned wasn't close to enough to, to cover our monthly expenses and the debt that we've incurred. Um, Yeah, we, we were up in debt into our, our, you know, up to our eyeballs. Um, we had limit, limited options, but we wanted to take responsibility for our decisions. 
Um, so we, we spoke to a couple of people, and uh, the last thing we wanted is the repo company coming to our home and taking our furniture and vehicles. We didn't want our children to see that. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, sure. Um, and so we opted to go um, under debt review. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with debt review, but basically what happens, it's a five to seven year journey where they consolidate your debt, um, but you can't uh, get credit anywhere. You can't get a credit card. You can't have a clothing account. So you can live on cash and that's it. And this brought us to a place where we had no back door. We had to trust the Lord in a way we've never trusted Him before. Sorry for, I don't know I'm going to get so emotional this morning. Um, there were many days we, we didn't know where tomorrow's electricity is going to come from. How are we going to put petrol in the car? But there wasn't one evening that we went to bed hungry or without electricity and petrol in the car. And uh, it was during that time that Chantal and I just started seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, yes, Lord, we want to do things differently. We want to honor you. We want to honor you first. And we just got this conviction in our heart that we're going to start tithing. doesn't matter what our budget says because our budget says it's impossible. You can't tithe. You can't give tithe. You don't even have enough money to feed your household. But we, we started tithing month in, month out. Month in, month out. We just did it until it became a lifestyle. And during that time, we witnessed testimony upon testimony upon testimony of God's goodness in our lives. I'm just going to share a few. I'm just going to share a couple. There's so many. You can ask my wife. Every week, we were, geez, we were so dependent on the Lord. But for the first time in our life, lives, we had to learn the value of community. We had to learn how to receive, because a lot of us can give, but here on Sickle, we, we, we battle to receive. So God taught us how to receive. People, random people would start giving us grocery vouchers. I remember a guy stopping at our, our house with a 70-liter cooler box full of meat. Sure. <laughs> I would visit farms. I would visit, visit farmers, and I would, I would return home with a cooler box full of chicken. Nobody, these guys didn't know what was going on in our lives. And so God just sustained us. I remember there was this one week, I think it was the Monday morning, the petrol light came on, and we had a week to go before month end. And we were prayerfully driving around. We had to commute the kids to school. We drove a whole week with our petrol light shining. <laughs> um, when payday came, we drove into the petrol station 20 meters before the petrol pump. Our car stalled. <laughs> so we, we just had a laugh. But that's how faithful God was. I, 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 woke, I, I walked out of the house one morning, and I noticed water on our paving. Yes, and I investigated, where's this water coming from? And there was water sweep, uh, seeping through our wall. And that can only mean one thing. There's a burst pipe inside of the, the walls. So we called a plumber that we can't afford and just to have a look. And uh, he gave us a quote for 10,000 rand. He had to reroute all the piping. Um, and we didn't have 10,000 rand. We couldn't lend any money. And we can't leave that leak just going. Our water bill is going to go through the roof. So we prayed. I stepped out. Sorry, guys. I stepped out that next morning. And the leak was gone. And the wall started drying up. And to this day, there's no leak. And the wall's still dry. In my book, that's a miracle. I believe... 
that if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing things, He will look after us. We will never lack. I believe God's got ministering angels, mechanics, plumbers, you name it. He's got it up there. But this is what we've experienced. And even in that, that time, God started, we started seeking God and asking God, God, where do you want us to give? Where do you want us to sow? How do you want us to work with our finances? And God started giving us seed that we could just sow into the kingdom, that we can bless people with, even in that situation. And I, I want to tell, looking back, it's probably the best five years of our lives as far as finances go. Because God taught us we can trust Him. We can live a different lifestyle. Um, and I think one of the biggest lessons God taught us is that He's, he's good and that He's faithful. You see, God is not after our money. God doesn't need our money. It's His money anyway. God is after our hearts. God just wants our hearts. And I believe that God wants us to be led by the Spirit when it comes to our finances. Romans 8.14 says um, that those... Um, oh yes, how can I not quote it right now? <laughs> for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that goes for our finances as well. So we started asking the Lord, Lord... Where do you want us to give? Where do you want us to sow? God, this is just our personal revelation, showed us that tithing is just the foundation of giving. And as we sow, God just keeps on sustaining us. There's a scripture, I want to end with this, that God highlighted for me recently in Proverbs 21 verse 1. It says, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. My prayer today is that our hearts, our lives would be like a stream of water in the hands of the Lord, that He can direct however He pleases, wherever He pleases, whenever He pleases. Not just only our health, not just only our minds, our finances, everything. It says, Lord, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Channel me. Um, <laughs> don't trust in money. Trust in God. Amen. Thank you. Well done, Christy. And so, friends, it's been a really wonderful morning, hasn't it? I'm really trusting that God has challenged you and encouraging you. There is yet very much land to be possessed. Friends, I'm 74. I'm trusting God for more projects where I get to preach the word. He's in charge of my diary. I'll go where he sends me. I want to die all used up. Friends, we're going to break bread in a while. And you know what would be really great? Is if, if, if you... in. If you're not in the group, you know, sometimes groups gather. I'm going to ask the groups that are gathering, don't leave anybody out. Have a look for the stragglers. Bring them into the group. Pray for each other. Be bold enough to say, can I ask for prayer? And pray for each other. That's true, true communion. So the question we started with was, how are you shepherding your life? It's in a time for an alignment. It's time to see the bigger picture. 
It's time to say, God, I want to know what I'm doing here. And He will bring the definition to your life. He will lead you into your destiny, into your inheritance. It, but it needs our heart. Begin to lay hold of that for which God has laid hold of you. And before we close, I want to ask, in all this alignment, I want to ask, maybe you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe as I've been preaching this morning, as you've been hearing um, Christy's testimony of just how wonderful God works, that God is so intricately involved in our lives. Maybe you have made a decision somewhere along the, the road, but you, you realize you are, not, you are not there. I want to ask you to put your hand up and I'd like to pray for you. Is there anybody else? Can I ask that lady, please be bold, because you know what? The Christian life regard, uh, needs boldness. Amen. Would you please come forward? I'd love to pray with you. Don't be shy. Maybe when you're breaking bread, you can come and share with us. Friends, as we, as we close with this last worship song, do business with God. Say to God, you know, my mind's a bit fuzzy, Lord. I, I need some clarity about destiny and inheritance. Would you help me to just see the bigger picture? Do business with God. If, if God's speaking to you about aligning, I want to encourage you, please, do that now while the Lord ministers to us. coming forward for prayer. Folks, isn't this wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. the great day the Bible says despise not the day of small things when we take this first step